this season's sponsor is the wonderful team at Hearts and Essex Fertility Centre. And we love the team at Hearts and Essex Fertility Centre. We do. They take immense pride in providing medical services of the highest calibre, tailored to suit the individual needs of each patient. In a friendly, supportive, inclusive and caring environment, Hearts and Essex Fertility Centre is a leading surrogacy clinic and was awarded Surrogacy Fertility Clinic of the Year in 2008 and 2022. Hello and welcome back, you lovely listener. How are you doing? You're obviously listening to My Surrogacy Journey, the podcast, and we are back for another incredible episode. I'm Michael. I'm not with Wes today. I am presenting this one solo, so you just have me in your ears plus our special guest. We're back in the studio in London, so thank you for downloading us again. So today I am joined by Mr. Ali Al-Chami from CRGH City. CRGH stands for the Centre of Reproductive and Genetic Health and is a world-leading fertility clinic in London with highly experienced and friendly staff that pride themselves on their professional approach. Mr. Ali Al-Chami is the Deputy Medical Director at CRGH City and a fertility consultant who specialises in fertility preservation, reproductive medicine and adjuvant treatments such as IVF. It's fair to say that he's super talented. He was also our consultant with our little boy, Duke. So we're going to be talking about the rise in surrogacy and when intended parents should consider using surrogacy. So this episode is for you if you just want to learn a little bit more about why and how people land at the door of surrogacy. We're going to be talking all about the various conditions that might make you need surrogacy and uh, hopefully you'll learn a little bit on the way. Hello, how are you? Hi, I'm very good, very good, thank you. Good to see your face again. Good to see you too. Um, hopefully every year we are meeting. We are. This hopefully uh, would help uh, couples have more information uh-huh. to, uh, to go through their journey or to prepare for a journey. I like the fact that we've kept in touch since we had Duke and, you know, I'm seeing you every year now. And it's always at a point where we are trying to help more people discover surrogacy or navigate their way through it, whether it's the Modern Family Show or through the podcast. Certainly. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's these uh, success stories that keep us going and trying to do more uh, to hopefully you know help uh, more couples at least by uh, more education yeah uh, uh, to know what to expect uh, even if they are not necessarily in our clinic or so but generally speaking about it uh, certainly helps many perfect so tell our lovely listener a little bit about you please tell us about your history what you do at crgh city and, and and what that career has looked like to date so uh, uh, my basic training was in the medical school in obstetrics and gynecology, followed by the reproductive medicine and IVF. And uh, my special interest is in uh, surrogacy and egg donation as well. IVF, we treat different uh, IVF uh, factors related to male or female uh, subfertility. And also we have a dedicated team. And uh, beside uh, uh, another colleague consultant and dedicated nurses and admin team uh, to work uh, uh, with uh, surrogacy. As a team, we are able to offer this type of treatment and uh, we have developed more and more experience Mm -hmm. in treating uh, um, couples who 
are going through surrogacy or even single males who are keen yeah. to create their family uh, through surrogacy. And uh, now we feel that we are more confident in offering this treatment. And uh, we learned a lot over the years uh, to be able to make it a smooth journey for them. Mm-hmm. And you've been involved in surrogacy for, for, for quite a number of years now. What What is it that kept you interested in surrogacy? Uh, it's mainly this group of people who thought at some point that it was not possible for them to have their okay. family and you give them uh, this solution that's n- not necessarily a, a straightforward treatment but it can be made smooth and uh, involving different professionals to be able to help them start their family when uh, some couples might be considering to travel abroad or thought it's almost impossible and you can help them do this. So, and this success, uh, you know, helped us to to enjoy more work. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, it, it sometimes takes lots of commitment and uh, going through details uh, of the treatment, but certainly the outcome in the majority of the cases actually positive and uh, you help them fulfill their dreams and start mm-hmm. their family. Mm-hmm. So we've seen a rise in surrogacy, um, a steady rise, it's fair to say. What do you think is firstly causing the popularity of surrogacy? And why do you think these people are needing surrogacy? Or, or what type of patient group are you seeing more of? Um, so I have to admit recently, I'm I'm seeing more couples uh, who have history of cancer, mm-hmm. previous cancer treatment. In many cases, unfortunately, they did not have the opportunity at that time to know more details because their main uh, thinking was regarding or related to the um, uh, cancer treatment. And uh, then because of the advances now, we see that actually there is good recovery rate and they can start their family. And another rise was also seen, uh, we saw it especially after the changes in the law where a single male yeah. start his family. So in that year, actually, we saw more single men. Uh, um, recently, also, I've uh, seen uh, trans people who are uh, starting when thinking more about surrogacy. Certainly, the social ma- media helped a lot. Yeah. And uh, more awareness, uh, more acceptance also by and more support by their families or friends. And that's why people have more courage to investigate more and to ask about it. And it's something that can be done. It's not uh, It's not something that's difficult to achieve. It just needs the right preparation uh-huh. and uh, going through uh, the right uh, clinic and right uh, agency, surrogacy agency, this certainly helps a lot. Do you, do you think the fact that more and more people are talking about surrogacy now as a, as a way to build a family positively rather than what perceptions were of surrogacy being a very taboo topic and you mentioned social media has played a role in that do you think that's been a catalyst to to really enhance people's public perception definitely first of all it's important to understand that no one takes this decision lightly people would go through surrogacy when this is their only option to start their family. You know, at some point they felt discriminated uh, whenever they even just thinking about it or trying to suggest to do and start this journey. But I believe now this is behind us and uh, and certainly speaking more about it, discussing uh, awareness to their families 
And even now I'm seeing parents coming with their children Brilliant. at some stage when they are starting their hormonal treatment and their journey. And uh, uh, we discuss surrogacy at that stage, uh, not only to freeze sperm or sperm, uh, freeze uh, eggs or freeze their gametes, but also to speak about the future, even if it's going to, to be in 15 years from now, Brilliant. just to do the right preparation. Perfect. And, and I think... That's definitely something that I'm seeing more younger people that may be transitioning or just want to preserve their fertility. Generally, yeah. we were always taught at school how not to get pregnant, whereas what I'm seeing now because of more social media influencers that work in the fertility space, there's better education now for people to actually own their fertility and as early as you can understand if you're fertile. You know, and, and, and what does that future family look like? Yeah, yeah. I, I think this culture has to change and it is changing. Uh, we, we all learned how it's important or to, to use the right contraception, which is at, at some point is definitely could be the, the, the right option to do to avoid any unplanned pregnancies. But yeah, as you mentioned, fertility preservation for the future or starting their family early, thinking to prepare for their family in the future, whether through surrogacy or natural conception, uh, to, to prepare in advance, for sure. And that's a nice little segue to my next question, actually. When do you start preparing people for surrogacy in the case of a heterosexual and multiple unexplained failures of IVF? They might be on I don't know, fourth, fifth, sixth round of IVF. When do you start as a medical professional, start preparing people for for what that next decision could be? Yeah, so uh, you, one has to uh, kind of uh, individualize for each couple. The surrogacy is certainly the last resort when it comes to recurrent implantation failures, which is one of the indications or recurrent pregnancy losses. Mm -hmm. It becomes an option when you take into consideration their previous history and also uh, whether we, we were able to do all or to investigate all the other factors because there are some factors like immune conditions, uh, like related to the receptivity of the lining. And certainly we have uh, lots of advances and add-on treatments that can be uh, investigated further. But in many cases, we unfortunately, we still we cannot achieve a live birth. And this is when surrogacy is indicated. So uh, uh, we discuss it as an option. At some point, we, we don't want also to wait too long mm -hmm. uh, and uh, at the same time not to make it premature decision. Yeah. And, uh, and also couples would like to uh, invest the maximum to to achieve a pregnancy of and to, to, to have uh, this feeling to nurture their baby and, and to enjoy their pregnancy. But also we have the time pressure that you cannot be able always to have healthy embryos. And you see some people having a journey of nine, ten years. Yeah, and at some point you have to take this decision. Yeah both financially and emotionally, you know, it's, there's, there's almost that duty of, of care on every level. When is enough enough? And when, when does yeah. that conversation start? What always interests me is when I hear of some people's journeys and let's say they've got six embryos and they can't make any more with their own gametes. So next potentially could be donor, but they've got a couple of embryos left and the, the losses and the implantation failures are there. 
And knowing that there's only a finite number of gametes left that share both of their genetics, is that ever a factor before you're looking at surrogacy because of the fact that they are going through their own embryos in that way with their own genetic material? Yeah, I mean, uh, we we see that uh, with age, we know at some point the chances uh, uh, by late 30s or early 40s drop dramatically. So all embryos are precious, there's no doubt. But in some age groups, we might not have the opportunity to create yep. more healthy embryos. So that's what should be taken into consideration and taking the other factors, the emotional uh, side. Uh, those who have pregnancy losses might have been exposed, for example, for multiple surgeries. Yeah. And this would have an impact on their implantation, not only uh, uh, the pregnancy loss. That's why as a clinic, for example, in these specific scenarios, we take it to the multidisciplinary team meeting where we are the group of consultants. Okay. There will be a counselor, the nurses who are taking care of the couple as well, and we discuss it. So, so that to make sure that we are giving them the best chance and uh, not, uh, you know, not suggesting that your only chance is to keep transferring these embryos. If it's not working, and if you have done and used all the other treatments, the add-on treatments, it's still not working, you have to consider surrogacy because mm -hmm. at some point they might uh, uh, not have this opportunity again mm -hmm. to create healthy embryos yeah. that they can use in the future. And I'm loving that already. So in terms of what I'm hearing is that you would have your own almost like committee of, of yeah. people where you discuss someone's care. What if an intended parent is also emotionally done, heterosexual, and they want to talk to their consultant about, I think it's time we explored surrogacy. Can an intended parent prepare themselves or is there anything that they can do if someone's listening now and they're like, you know, I'm, I don't know if I can continue going down this path. It's damaging on my mental health. I don't know why these embryos aren't implanting. What's the advice for an intended parent out there that's feeling really low and struggling with the fact that things just aren't working as they should? In similar cases, one should go through the uh, basics. I, I start again with the basics and try to understand why they are concerned and what's the major concern. Obviously, the main concern is related to uh, recurrent implantation failure, assess the age group, the previous outcomes. Do I have the chance to create more embryos, to try some more treatments so that we don't give up easily as well. But at the same time, if certainly if it's raised by the couple themselves at early stage, I tell them about surrogacy in details, how it works, but also suggest to have more counseling, more support, yeah. because uh, and and at some stages, couple might need to pause a little bit without losing too, uh, too much time um, to try to uh, kind of recharge and, and start their journey as long as we feel we can do something different. Yeah. Uh, because in IVF, uh, we know that despite all the advances, the success rate is, is not actually very high if you think about a certain group of people trying. So so we know some people might get pregnant from the second or the third time, uh, and surrogacy is there down the road, but at the same time, we shouldn't leave it too long. I have uh, some couples who were left with only one embryo, 
and uh, you know until surrogacy was discussed with them and that was their only remaining embryo when you have a long history wow. so this could have been discussed a little bit earlier yeah. not left till uh, there's only one one go for the surrogate and th- and i guess that's my point when we speak to these people that have been on this precious journey and that those numbers are few and far between and it's at what point then they should obviously be able to advocate for their own care and express their concern or I've got one or two embryos left, I can't make any more. Can we start exploring surrogacy? Do, do patients of yours have that conversation with you? Yeah, and uh, they they disclose it sometimes and sometimes I raise it with them Okay, uh, because uh, many couples are not even aware of what surrogacy is. Do surrogacy yeah. for this indication. Yeah, because we know the the absolute indications for surrogacy, like someone uh, born without a uterus, this is a congenital uh, condition. Uh, uh, someone who has previous hysterectomy uh, due to uh, to an obstetrics complication or multiple surgeries on the uterus. Uh, so these are absolute indications, or in cases of same-sex couples. And uh, on the other side. Uh, people might not be aware that this is an option for them. So I discuss it with them or uh, colleagues as well uh, do this. And in some clinics where they don't have uh, established or dedicated teams for surrogacy, it's not even mentioned and, as an option. And uh, that's why you know, we discuss it and we take it to the multidisciplinary team meeting to have agreement. And most of the times we, we, we strongly take into consideration the uh, the the kind of the request of the couple mm-hmm. and their preference. There's mm-hmm. no doubt about this. And at the same time, we have to think about any potential surrogate as well, because you are exposing the surrogate to the pregnancy and it's yeah. a long journey. So we have to balance all these factors together. And, and I think it also is crucial whether the clinic where you're having your IVF even understands surrogacy, because they, they may even not have a surrogacy program. That may not be their area of expertise because as we both know um of the what 70 clinics nationally i'd probably say there's less than 10 that really yeah. do surrogacy to the yeah. to the levels of the cycles that require the expertise and the specialism are you finding lots of embryos are being moved around the country to work with clinics such as crgh yeah, I mean, uh, uh, I would say on a weekly basis, we have uh, some embryos or gametes being moved for this reason. And the very simple basic screening that you should do for surrogacy, you know, if you are not aware, because the, the code of practice, uh, the HFEA code of practice, so if the couple are uh, not aware that there is a there are some screening tests in addition to the usual IVF screening that must be done, sometimes, unfortunately, might make it a little bit difficult to even use these, these gametes, yeah. these eggs or sperm or the embryos because the right screening was not done, because quarantine was not done at the right timing. So that's why from the very beginning, you have to do the right journey. Even now, we're speaking about those uh, who are uh, young and having their trans journey. So we even go by, through the consent forms at this stage, even if they are going to use these gametes oh, in brilliant. another 20 years. Good. So have the right counseling, the consents, all the screening, Brilliant. including the the, uh, the virology, the STD, the genetic. You have to be prepared. That's how you make your journey smooth in the future. And you touched on counseling a minute ago, um, which I know is something that CRGH obviously take really seriously. When a heterosexual patient is first told 
about surrogacy. You know, we we've both said that it's that's not the journey they want to be on. They're clearly not thrilled about that. That's then either their next option or their only option. So there's there's potential grief of grief of carrying not being able to carry a pregnancy grief potentially that there's not a genetic link to their child if they've got to use donor eggs or donor sperm how should a clinic manage this type of patient knowing that what they thought they were going to have is now taking a very very different turn how are those patients managed once they hear that type of news Uh, certainly as described as a wave of of grief, a wave of uh, sometimes the the sense of blame. Uh, They blame themselves. And it's important to not allow these negative thoughts to go too far. And that's why here the clinic role is to, uh, at very early stage, offer the counseling, not only one session, more than one session as a couple. Sometimes they might like to do it uh, separately, then together as a couple to go through all these details and to Uh, explain the details of the surrogacy journey. That's why if you are in a clinic that can offer this as an option that's used and have been doing this for a long time, you have a structured pathway and through surrogacy agency like MSJ when uh, you have the details. When I see a couple referred by you, I'm like, that makes my consultation very straightforward (laughs) because they are aware of all the details. And it's something that can be achieved. We have established pathways and uh, so it takes a little bit longer, but having the right counseling, the right support, uh, the right screening and uh, through through the stages of this journey w- should make it uh, uh, more in a relaxed uh, pattern compared to an unorganized uh, pattern or, or approach. Uh-huh. So someone maybe coming through like an independent surrogacy that maybe isn't getting the support, those sets of intended parents may need more support from the clinic because they don't have an organization supporting them, would you say? Absolutely. Even in cases where sometimes a couple come and they have a family member who's, uh, uh, yeah. who's ha- keen to be their surrogate, I, I advise them, still to go through a surrogacy agency and uh, because we have uh, you know in our clinic we have requirements that we go through them but strongly advise them to go through a surrogacy agency that's because they uh, have the independent counseling the approach they feel it's more formal way of dealing with it rather than keeping it to their relationship as as relatives or friends yeah it also always gives reassurance for the surrogate, for her family, uh, mm-hmm. for her partner, if she has a partner. So it's better to do it this way. I I feel more confident as well. And it's impartial. So you've got someone mediating the, the entire journey. Yes. Yeah, yeah, agreed. We've seen surrogacy take some shapes um, since you've been working in it. And whether that was in 2010, when, when LGBTQ people could apply for a parental order, then 2019, when single people could yeah. do surrogacy. And we've just seen the, the final draft bill in March of 2023. Are there any other changes that you are seeing or trends or are there any changes that you would like to see? I mean, certainly as a society, I am happy that we are seeing more awareness. Uh, We are seeing more numbers because uh, couples and people are feeling that I can achieve this. There is a way to go through it. There is support. 
And at the same time, I feel that still there could be in the law and the policies and the regulations, there could be a, a way to make it more um, reassuring for couples and for surrogates. Uh, I, I mean, certainly uh, recently this gave definitely more reassurance, but it can be even better for the future. Uh, and for couples not to be uh, concerned at different stage, um, you know, from the regulatory point of view, let's say. Also, uh, I believe one of uh, these points is related to uh, seeking surrogacy abroad, which is which is an option. I feel when we give more reassurance and uh, it's, it's better to... Uh, you know, to explore options yeah. in the UK uh, because, uh, you know, it, it might be, uh, you can have more control on your journey. Yeah. Certainly there are abroad as well other other options. Like recently some countries are uh, banning now, uh, um, you know, uh, surrogacy for uh, people who are not uh, residents. Yeah, we've countries. seen that this yeah. year with, yeah. with Georgia. Georgia and yeah, and so I'm sure we'll see some more next yeah. year. Yeah. And the the other uh, you know the other change because every every year I see at least couple of uh, um, couples or or patients who are uh, who are very keen to do surrogacy but they can't because uh, they have a history of HIV infection. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm so glad you mentioned this one because this point's really important. Exactly, and with the advances now in microbiology and in antiretroviral treatment, we actually uh, see people who have been having a negative viral load, non-detected virus for more than 10, 15 years. Yeah. So the risk is actually nil. Yeah. And I think this is something uh, that we should be speaking more openly oh, about it. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and Lister, for your benefit, what uh, Mr. Al-Chami is actually saying is if you have HIV undetectable and you're on retrovirals, you cannot do surrogacy in the United Kingdom because the protocols do not allow, because you're, you're essentially a donor, aren't you? And as part of yeah. being a donor in the UK, you have to have a, a, a negative HIV status. And because surrogacy is grouped into the code of practice, which includes donation, it prevents people from donating. And one, I just think is massively unfair and discriminatory, given the fact that we've all been educated so well in the medical profession about you equals you and that there is no risk. Yet this population of people cannot create embryos in this country for the use of surrogacy. Yeah, and uh, if if we have the right approach, and I believe the discussion and to also involve microbiologists, virologists, and uh, take each, each case by itself, and we all know that transparency is extremely important in the surrogacy journey and the surrogate will take part of this counseling to be aware and to be reassured i believe this is something that uh, should be really dealt with uh, and as soon as possible and not left uh, for uh, you know another few years to be uh, to be considered because uh, when you see now couples trying naturally for a pregnancy and one of them has is affected by hiv on retroviral treatment the the centers actually they reassure them and they continue their life normally and that's that's a fact that's a medical fact yep. if it's viral load is negative the risk is nil uh, so it's really it's really you know it's important to work the, on this more 
for us as clinics, as surrogacy agencies and groups to, to raise this uh, because it should help um, whether HIV or even other previous infections, uh, doing the right risk management, risk assessment, we should be able to uh, totally. complete the journey. For, for sure. And for those of you that, that are already aware, if you head to mysurrogacyjourney.com, you'll know that myself and Wes have been campaigning for this since 2016. Um, we're working currently with the AIDS Trust and there is information both on twodadsuk.com and mysurrogacyjourney.com with the work that we're trying to do to change this and to remove this stigma and to allow people in Europe to complete uh, surrogacy in the UK, if you qualify for UK surrogacy, that is, to build your family here with, with those embryos created in the UK. Do you ever hear from people that want to do surrogacy for social reasons? So they, they don't have a medical condition, yeah. they're busy, they haven't got time to be pregnant and they want surrogacy. Um, certainly, yes. We have couples who ask for surrogacy due to this to the social reason. Uh, but also if you uh, go more through details, why are they considering this? Is it really because uh, just they are busy or uh, they are scared of being pregnant or yeah. scared of childbirth, what we call as tocophobia? For yeah, example. which is a valid reason to then have yes. surrogacy. Yes, so, so that's... I consider it a medical indication yep. after, of course, uh, taking the uh, uh, psychiatrist opinion, maybe sometimes more than one opinion. Also, we discuss similar uh, cases uh, in our multidisciplinary team meeting. Uh, and if you think a little bit uh, wider about this, people are concerned, or we let's when we say social reason, because up till now, uh, we still don't have enough support for pregnant women during pregnancy or for maternity as well, or paternity. So when people have the right support, when they feel that if I go on maternity leave, then my job is protected, uh, I can still have the promotion or the progress. Ah, I think this helps a true. lot to also uh, um, you know, tackle this reason. Uh, and at the same time, you know, thinking about any surrogate in the future. And we know we have, in general, we have shortage uh, yeah. in surrogates. So, uh, you know, there are some couples which is their only way to achieve a pregnancy for a medical reason. Um, that's why the social reason here is a little bit, uh, should be dealt with more carefully. Yeah, agreed. And and I think we, we're seeing more exposure and hopefully once we, the, the, the current draft bill moves through parliament, yeah. we by raising more awareness, by regulated surrogacy organisations being allowed to advertise for surrogates, yeah. we're hoping that we'll start to see that shift to safely bring more people on board to carry a pregnancy for other people and, and therefore help with the, the shortage that currently exists. And I think recently, I mean, after COVID also, uh, yeah. uh, this this backlog, took it will take Agreed. some time to uh, to build up the numbers and to... Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, right then, before we I come to my last question, um, let's just look at some of the common mistakes that people may make when they are coming to or, or arrive, when they arrive at surrogacy. Um, what things do you see more often from patients um, that you wish they would have known 
before they've arrived with you? Is there anything that, that const- you constantly see? Yeah. Uh, the, the having the right screening test, this is a medical preparation for uh, uh, anyone who's going through this journey, doing the right screening test, the right virology in advance, because we have the quarantine and what we what we do as well after that, the post-quarantine. So if this is this has been left for years and there is a recent infection, uh, which was probably, most probably was not there at the time of uh, freezing eggs or sperm or, or embryos, but it here creates a dilemma. Am I using embryos that could be affected? So doing the right screening, the full screening needed for surrogacy, which is the donor-like screening, yeah. is, is very important. Uh, another thing as well, I advise couples, because I see this all the time, obviously everyone wants to do this, uh, to have this journey very quickly and very fast. (laughs) We need to take it step by step. It doesn't mean to delay, but doing it in the right order will help and uh, try to resolve things and not last minute end up in in major delays or even not being able to use your gametes or your embryos. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also, you get to know your surrogate you can't speed up the process no never this is very important to have chat and to discuss everything through counseling together uh, because when you speed up the process we've seen it before and i have to admit mainly not through uh, mainly those who have independently they met surrogates through social media or so that uh, sometimes they change their mind uh, last minute Mm -hmm. and everything stops whether those who went through the surrogacy agency, they come well aware of the process, well prepared, they took their time and discussed all the possibilities that might happen, aware of the legal implications and all the details. So try not to speed up your process, to have the right screening, to be in a clinic who offers surrogacy so that we don't end up in un, um, you know, un, unpleasant outcomes, let's say, or even it might have an impact on uh, success as well. Perfect. Perfect. So lastly, the best bit of clinical advice for our listener. If surrogacy looks like it might be their route for them, what clinically, what would be your your single one nugget of information to give to this listener? Have the to be with the right clinic and uh, to be able to have the right approach and to do this journey through a surrogacy agency because it covers all the requirements needed and gives the right approach with all the details uh, uh, involved in this journey. Um, So try not to do this on your own. You need support in this journey. And there are lots of professional, uh, uh, you know, teams that can help you, starting with the clinic and with the surrogacy agency as well. Um, This is a, although it's a long journey, but you can do it. You can go through it uh, with the help of, uh, with our help together, we work on this together. And uh, uh, it, it could be like any treatment, be prepared. It might not work, but on the other side, it's actually success rates with surrogacy are even higher, higher than, than regular. Uh, those who don't have any 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 uh, problem in implantation or so. Mm-hmm. So we do have good chances of success, but we need to do the right approach from the beginning. And it's, you know, surrogacy, I, one, the one thing we always tell people is it's, it's, it's called a journey for a reason. It's, it is not a sprint. This is something that twists and turns and yeah. the highs are high, the lows are low and, you know, taking your time, choosing your team wisely. Um, 
and I, and I didn't even have to prompt you to make a comment about using an agency, but I'm curious to know, do you see more disruption in patient care when they don't have an organization? Yes, certainly. As, as I described, I've seen cases where even very close family members uh, because they assume that this is the straightforward, I'm having a very close family member or a friend and uh, changing their mind because, uh, you know, they didn't have enough information. Yeah. But after the first consultation, we speak about pregnancy, what are the risks in pregnancy, what what are the surrogacy regulations, uh, and they might change their mind. So when they go through this step-by-step, step, going through all the details for a surrogacy agency, they don't, uh, they tend to have more awareness and uh, more knowledge and be more prepared for sure. So the disruption and some, you know, I've, I've seen, for example, many surrogates coming for a second time or then uh, uh, helping one couple and come in another couple of years to help another couple because, and this is mainly through the uh, uh, surrogacy agencies mm -hmm. uh, like MSJ or, or other agencies as well. Perfect. Also choosing the right surrogate uh, because you need to know the uh, uh, take the the details of the surrogate her previous obstetrics history her medical history uh, the 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 social um, history as well that's why we ask for a gp letter yeah. so to prepare and usually when a surrogate comes through um, an agency uh, these at least in general would have been taken into consideration so we rarely uh, decline a surrogate who who's referred to us uh, by you because you'd have done these checks already yeah which 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 then in turn means the the clinic can manage everything clinically and we can manage the the journey itself to keep all that moving and supported well so Mr. Ali Alchami, thank you so much thank for you. being Thanks on so today's episode. It's great to see you again. Thank you. Um, and, and from the bottom of my heart and my husband's heart, thank you for everything you did for us um, with the journey with for our son, Duke. Thank you very much. If you'd like to find out more about My Surrogacy Journey, then please head over to our website, www.mysurrogacyjourney.com or find us on Instagram at official My Surrogacy Journey. If you like this episode, then please subscribe to the series and we will have another episode coming out next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks to our special guest. I have been your My Surrogacy Journey podcast host. Goodbye. This season's sponsor is the wonderful team at Hearts and Essex Fertility Centre. And we love the team at Hearts and Essex Fertility Centre. We do. They take immense pride in providing medical services of the highest calibre, tailored to suit the individual needs of each patient. In a friendly, supportive, inclusive and caring environment, Hearts and Essex Fertility Centre is a leading surrogacy clinic and was awarded Surrogacy Fertility Clinic of the Year in 2008 and 2022.